0: All right, well, welcome everybody. This is our first live episode. uh, And in this episode, we're having a conversation about what's working well in our remote classes.
1: At the end of last semester, we asked students how online learning was going. And today it's time to hear from faculty and they're gonna share their experience about the fall online semester and offer their stories to students and the rest of the audience. So let's get it going.
0: So um, we'll ask panelists to go ahead and introduce yourselves, uh, and if you could just share your name, your role on campus, and then what what you're teaching in terms of a modality, um, online, synchronous, asynchronous, hybrid, however you want to describe it.
1: Um, right. And yeah. let's start, Hungari, uh, can you go ahead and introduce yourself?
2: Yeah, sure. So uh, this is Humgari Kulkarni, and I teach microbiology in the biology department. I have so far taught only face-to-face because I have a major lab component, but since the pandemic, I've been teaching scheduled online via Zoom, in which I have a portion of my Zoom of the class hours as synchronous sessions, in which we mostly do major concepts for labs and lectures, and then I have the rest of it asynchronous.
3: Awesome. Thank you, Gary. Billy, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Billy Gunn. I'm a faculty member in, in the film department, and I teach online and face-to-face. Um, so, you know, before the pandemic, I was teaching a lot online. I've also done some hybrid. And most of my courses, or all of my courses, I should say, are pretty traditional lecture courses capped at 40 students. So um, yeah, I think the transition to fully online all the time has been maybe a little bit easier because I had you know those materials and some of the experience under my belt, but happy to be here. Thank you. And let's go Layla.
4: Hi, everyone. I'm Leila Safralian. I'm the math faculty and chair of mathematics department. Before remote teaching, I was teaching both online and face-to-face. Since we moved to, uh, during the pandemic, we moved to remote teaching. I'm teaching via Zoom. I've tried to keep my class engaging by using the breakout rooms and um, assigning activities and sharing out uh, throughout my class. And I would be happy to share my experience
5: uh, with everyone here. Glad to be here.
1: Thank you, Layla and Casey.
5: Hi everyone. I'm Casey McFarland and I teach kinesiology, health, and yoga teacher training. So before the pandemic, I had one online class and the rest were face-to-face and very much hands-on, but we've transitioned and now they're all um, online and asynchronous with optional Zoom classes. And they went surprisingly well last fall. So I'm looking forward to this spring. Thanks for having me.
6: Thank you. And Edward. Edward. Good evening, Uh, I'm Edward Pollard. I'm faculty director of Retention Services and Tutoring and Academic Support Center. And as you may think, I might not be a teacher, but I do teach because the lab is a learning center and there's a lot of teaching going on with the tutors that work with me and of course how they interact with students. And I also manage a consortium that's statewide that is fully online and so there's other tutors from all sorts of community colleges in California that are part of that. I'll uh, say that I'm a face-to-face guy and that when we went online in March of 2000 and whatever year that was, cause I don't remember anymore, that was hard for me but I had to get up to speed and get trained. And by summer I was uh, doing some nifty things. And so I'm here to share with you the student experience from what, what has come to me as a retention person, and also from what my tutors always kind of report back to me and, and try to problem solve. So I appreciate you being here.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. And Edward, I think actually, I think it makes sense to start with you. the The first question that we have is, what made remote learning easier for students last semester? And so I think baked into that question is an assumption that it was challenging for lots of different reasons. And so what is a thing that eased that process or eased uh, a student's way into an engaging activity, alleviated some of that challenge in one way or another. And, and what really comes to mind, my, my mind first, Edward, is, is tutoring, is resources. And so, could you speak a little bit to, to your experiences? Like, where did you see um, those services really helping students and making this process a bit easier?
6: Well, I think one of the biggest things is the flexibility of our services going beyond the kind of the nine to five frame, Uh, having early morning, having late evening, having weekends availability for services that usually were just capped by the staff that we had and the library being open certain hours, right? Because we're all in the library. Uh, I'm going to speak about all the learning centers, but really focus on tasks because that's what I manage but I would say that flexibility of services and the access and how our tutors were also more flexible because they were able to go beyond these, those lines, those, uh, those lines that we have on ground. The other piece I think is our campus is very uh, attuned to what students may not have, access to Wi-Fi in the parking lots, right? We might think that's something that's small, but I saw a lot of students uh, being parked in the lots coming to campus and using uh, study groups when all of us were at home. I've been to campus one or two days a week. And so they were inventive, right, students, because the Wi-Fi was much better than maybe in their house. Also the laptop checkout, which is, you know, students who didn't have that access uh, were able to do that. And then the other piece I would say is the creativity and innovation that tutors and myself and my staff had to learn to get up to speed. In online learning, you don't just take something on ground and then put it online, doesn't just transfer, you know? And so you have to adapt, we have to adapt, we have to be innovative, we have to be fun as well as, you know, challenging, but you don't just stare at a screen like I'm doing now and say, okay, class, this is what we're doing. You have to entree. And so I really appreciate the music that you started to play because it's an uplifting, piece. You know, we used to have uh, some poetry that we we did or some uh, wisdom, you know, on the screen before we even started. And so it's really important to, to make it engaging. I would say that my, my wife teaches pre-K and I learned from her because she would start with a song every day and I'm saying, you know what? We need that too. As faculty, as students, mm-hmm. we need that. And so we really need to kind of open up ourselves more. So that means we, if we're introvert. It's important that we get a little bit extrovert and mm. and do that piece that's holistic. So it's not just let's get down to the lesson plan. You know,
0: awesome, Casey. Can I invite you into the, the conversation? What's what's something that you saw that's made it easier for students to engage?
5: Uh, well, I would agree with the flexibility that Edward was saying. And what was so neat is we reached just an entirely new population of students, especially with our yoga teacher training program, because normally it's only one to two classes um, offered on campus and we had students from Russia and Egypt wow. in our courses. So that was pretty fun to bring all these um, different cultures and you know, people that have full-time jobs. And so that was kind of why we decided the asynchronous would work best for us with only offering one, one class often or one section for a, a subject so we could reach as many people as possible. And so I heard from students that it was great. They could do the the recordings or listen to the recorded Zoom class on a Saturday night, um, you know, a time that the class would never be offered and just be able to do kind of short chunks of the class. So for a lot of our instructors in our department, we pre-recorded a lot of short lectures, um, kind of like 10 minutes or less of the subject matter. And students said that, they were able to rewatch some of those lectures, especially on muscle contraction and things that were pretty confusing that normally would take, you know, several classes to cover and kind of keep repeating. Um, So that was neat to hear some some positive feedback from the students there. And another thing too that I think just worked really well is everything was super clear and outlined in, in Canvas and students knew what to expect. And, um, and just having the resources we have is, is pretty amazing, all this uh, wonderful technology. So there were definitely a lot of silver linings to, to going online.
0: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So the, the pre recorded content, I've heard a lot about that, too, just the, the ability to interact, listen to it quickly, listen to it slowly, like the, the flexibility of, of that modality itself. Billy everybody's watching Netflix so do you feel like your class was just that it was just easy like that's what people wanted to do just watch film take
2: film class.
3: I do actually think it was a lot easier for me to transition than most most faculty, most instructors. And, and I've told people that, and, um, and I do feel a little guilty about that, but um, <laughs> it's been good because I got a one-year-old at home who you'll hear screaming in a minute. Ooh. But um, I really love what Casey and Edward are saying, because to me, I think we're going to see a theme here in these ideas, and it's about flexibility, creativity, and the willingness to make accommodations um, in ways that just make sense, you know? So I think um, for me, I noticed um, early on that if I'm going to use something in class over and over, if I'm going to ask students to use a technology, for example, that giving them an opportunity to practice using that in a really easy, low stakes way is, is helpful. So for example, I do a presentation at the end of the semester and it kind of It's part of an essay, so it kind of builds. It's this assignment that has multi-layers. But that's a pretty high-stakes assignment when it gets to week 13 or 14. But if you have the students do a very short, low-stakes presentation, either introducing themselves or doing something early on, practicing using that technology, I think it alleviates a lot of that anxiety. So that's kind of just a really practical thing that, that I was doing that I thought was helpful. But yeah, I think flexibility has been just the number one takeaway for me and and I would say just as in my role as a department chair when we were scheduling the mostly anecdotal data that we had was that students really wanted asynchronous classes at least in our area and so you know we changed, we we really kind of got rid of a lot of the scheduled online classes and focused on asynchronous. And then I love what Casey's saying about having those like optional um, Zoom meetups or you know office hours, whatever they may be, that gives students who really want and need that engagement an opportunity to connect. So those are a couple of things that I thought were helpful.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and helping students connect, I think is, I'm still thinking like, how am I gonna do that in a meaningful way? So I hope that's something we can we can continue to explore in this conversation. Himgari, you're teaching mostly synchronous classes. Is that right? What in those synchronous sessions were you seeing were moments where suddenly maybe students were finding this, this a little easier or, or engaging um, in that, that format?
2: So my synchronous sessions overall were very helpful for students because it wasn't straight lecture. I think that would have been, I tried that in the spring when we went midway. So it was just like whatever I was doing in uh, on ground, I was doing it in synchronous session. And but because we had the relationship already built up, it worked. But there were many challenges, too, because how do you keep people focused? How do you know they're listening? So this time, uh, the synchronous session, what we did is in our for my course, we have the various sections. So some of us offered it completely asynchronous because it worked for them, but that gave students an option. And then the couple of us went for part synchronous and the rest asynchronous. And we actually recorded all our synchronous sessions. And the flexibility in real time was the key for us, at least for me. Mm -hmm. So if students were unable to connect with the material because of the way it was presented or with the questions, we needed to make hear from them and needed to make quick changes to that. So one thing that I did learn was the breakout room was not a huge success because it couldn't be recorded. And so the students who were not coming in were losing out on that experience. But what really did help, especially from the lab point of view, is the impromptu Zoom sessions. So I would give out and I would be always on my email and then also gave out in the towards the end uh, my phone number so they could text me. And then we would say, hey, can you hop onto the Zoom? And then showing them exactly, they would show me exactly how they were doing things and I could correct them in real time, just like a lab experience. yeah So I think those different options really worked well, especially because of the lab component.
0: Yeah. And do you think the impromptu worked really well because it was it, just the timeliness of it? You have a student who really... The, those are the ones who are going to show up to those, right? The ones that need the, the help?
2: Yes. Yes. And especially the people who were not coming on to the Zoom session couldn't make it. Sure. They were the ones who were utilizing the impromptu Zoom sessions because even if we have demo videos, it's really hard to imagine yourself doing it and when you and you have to follow all these aseptic techniques. So they are scared. The challenges was the moment they heard the name Equal Eye, there was already like people in at home would freeze. Mm-hmm. The other people who they are living with and have to interact with. So safety was the biggest, biggest uh, talk. Every time we started something and every time we ended something, We had to, I had to make sure that safety was addressed every time. Yeah. And then they would just come online and they would look at, uh, to ask me a question and couldn't figure out why that was not working. So as an example, there was a student who came on the Zoom session really frustrated and she was out of state and she had a microscope and couldn't figure out why she was not able to do things, Yeah, couldn't see anything. Yeah. So I was going step by step and then eventually she wasn't able to. And finally it struck like she had not put the eyepieces in that is a small little eyepiece inside the house or the holder. And yeah. that was lying by the wayside. So these type of things you can easily miss. Right. And so those impromptu Zoom sessions really worked.
0: Awesome, That's yeah, awesome, yeah. So Layla, I'm, I'm imagining some similar opportunities for students in math. I know my, in, I teach English and, and our students are intimidated by English. Students are terrified of math. So <laughs> how, are, how are you seeing asynchronous and or synchronous? Where are those easing, how are you making it easier for students?
4: Let me start by saying that doesn't matter what modality I teach, I always start by building trust. So usually the first week of the class, I don't teach. I, I, I know I lose a lot of uh, instructional time, but it's really important to build trust with students so they are um, able to share with you, they trust to share with you, They are, they trust you to share their difficulties. Um, Otherwise, you know, you just lecture and they they never ask any question. You know, usually the student come to the class and they say, oh, math teacher, she must be smart. She doesn't understand me. You want to relate to students. So usually I share a lot about myself uh, during the introduction, a lot. Uh, Mostly I share about my difficulties as a student, my difficulties as a math teacher. Everyone struggles. You know, how many times I have changed my major in order to finally Uh, settle in in math, so I share a lot and I can see that as as I share how much they start sharing little by little. Um, I also, uh, one of the things that I do to build communities in my classes, I don't ask students to share, like one student share in front of the whole class about themselves, I put them in uh, breakout rooms and in a small group they share about themselves, but then I ask someone in the group introduce another member of the group when we come to the to the main room. Uh, this uh, you know, um, makes students to pay attention when somebody else is sharing and introducing, because you know, to be honest with you, it's not easy to in- introduce another person. You want to do a good job. You have to pay attention. Hearing, you know, I, I just don't send them to the uh, breakout room and say share. I give them you know, questions introduce yourself you know what is your learning uh, style you know identify yourself as who you want to be what is your dream i'm the future engineer i'm the future teacher i'm the future nurse you know they identify themselves when you think when you every day when you introduce yourself as who you want to be um that really help you and motivate you to to work hard to be that person so that's, that's the first important thing for me, uh, building trust. And that actually leads us to uh, humanizing our class, humanizing our classroom. You know, there are so many uh, dialogue and information and, you know, um, articles about humanizing our classrooms. But for me, the most important thing is building trust that is going to lead to humanizing our classes and classrooms. The organization. And clear expectations and flexibility that um, our colleagues just mentioned are super important. Organization, you, we always expect our students to be organized, but we have to be a role model for organization first. Our Canvas page, our syllabus, our lecture notes, our homework um, assignments that we expect. And then when we say homework assignment, what is the expectation of that homework assignment? Be clear about that. Also, I, um, I always make sure this is all, also come in building trust and building communities, but students should know that we are always there for them. Mm. We are always there for them. I always tell my students, I have a job because of you. Mm. So don't be shy to ask your questions. Teachers exist because the students are mm. there. So yeah. these are all based on the first week of the class. It's investment. The first week of the class is a big investment that you can, you and your student can enjoy for the rest of the semester. I have a lot to share, but I want to um, make sure everybody else has time
2: to share. Yeah, that,
0: yeah. So. and that's yeah, that's great. And and I want to come back to the, the the student introducing each other because I think that is a great way to start building class community asynchronously or synchronously.
1: Yeah, and thank you, Layla, because it really segues nicely into this next question. You know, I think that there are a lot of general, you know, universal challenges that we have with with doing what we do online as opposed to how we were doing it. And one of those things is the humanizing that that experience and humanizing our our class and ourselves, and and really um connecting with students in ways that maybe a lot of us are not comfortable doing. So uh, but there's also really specific challenges that come with each discipline, each teaching style. And when I think about that I'm probably going to go to something like STEM and and bio with the labs and things like that. So Hungari, can you talk about what has made learning challenging at, at, during this time?
2: I have to say number 1 not being able to get instant feedback from the instructor in the lab situation where they're actually working with their hands and there is a lot of skill that they have to learn and all under a very safe and aseptic environment with the flames open and all other people around you not being, you know, be at a safe distance and what to do, what not to do and how you're actually doing it. So students had some challenges with that because it was difficult for, especially for many of the students. I mean, even though I have synchronous sessions, I had only about 50% of the class at any given time be able to show up. Rest of the people were uh, students were watching it asynchronously. And then there was also demo videos. But as I said, like not being there write with the students for that longer time for the entire session, giving them instant feedback was one of the big challenges that my students had. They were okay with the other material, and they were able to listen to the recorded sessions. Then, when we would meet, we would discuss challenging aspects of it. They then we would go through questions, and they would interact pretty well, although without any videos and stuff like that. But they would putting it in chat and doing the best that could be possible in those, t- in those particular instances. But the other challenge that students have told me is that they had difficulty in um, managing the time as they are used to in the face-to-face session because they would come there, there was a nine hour per week contact time with the instructor and students with each other. So lacking that, even though they had kind of chunked away a time to do the work, they felt that they were doing it at the last minute and then they didn't have time to ask questions. And so it suffered. So those were the challenges, but I was uh, like Layla said that I made sure they knew that they could reach out to me anytime. And I told, I gave them a cutoff time, but frankly uh, I had told them that if this is like a lifeline so anytime something happens, don't worry about it. You can text me or just send me an email. If I don't look at it, just remember that the first chance I get, I will get back to you. So that I think helped them a lot. So it was more to do with the feeling that I'll be there for them when they need it urgently. That really helped along.
1: Thank you. Yeah, and as it's been said many times during this whole ordeal, right? Uh, time is different and weird during the pandemic so you know obviously oh, yeah. we we've all seen students and, yeah. and we've seen ourselves struggle with that a lot and and so billy you know it couldn't have been all an easy road i know you said you had uh, some advantages where you've taught online for a while and you also you know just what you teach film was more conducive to doing things in this environment but what what are the things that had you and students struggling what are, what are some of the challenges there
3: yeah, I I do think there were some challenges and and for me the big thing really for all of us and like I love what Himgar is saying that we're all in this together and we have so many unforeseen challenges and circumstances that come our way and just letting students know that we're all going through the same thing and we're all stuck in the same boat together and you know we're going to we're going to float together and we're going to figure it out and just trying to alleviate some of that. And and so yeah, I think for me the big thing was the just unforeseen challenges that will come a student's way, either, you know, related to work, family, health, so many, or you know, various insecurities, housing, food insecurities, so many, mental health, you know, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So being, again, flexible and willing to be a resource for students and, you know, taking a little extra time to make sure that students are aware of um, some of those resources that we have and and making sure that we can be there for them the other thing i'll say too just in our department i i don't teach theater classes but i know that that was a big challenge for um, instructors in theater a lot of students who want to take a theater class right being doing that in person you know, doing something like what Casey's teaching in, k- in kinesiology, I'm sure it's the same way. So much of that is about being in a physical space with another person. And taking that away is like robbing theater of its like essence and the thing that makes it unique. So um, I think I, for me, I take the, ex- the challenges my colleagues had in, in my department and sort of say, look, everyone has different learning styles. And a lot of students in my all online class in the fall were students who never had taken an online class because they didn't want to take an online class. They told themselves, I don't teach online, just like a lot of us told ourselves, we don't teach online, we don't learn online. So just being aware of those different learning styles and the unforeseen circumstances, those are the two two big ones for me.
1: Thanks, Billy. And yeah, you took the thoughts right out of my head. Yes, teaching yoga online. Can we talk about some of those challenges, Casey? I know that a lot of people are probably doing a lot of yoga and fitness stuff online and remotely. Right now, uh, because of places being shut down, but preparing students for that kind of career—what, uh, what has what that been? What, have, what has that been like for you?
5: Uh, yeah, Sean, it has been challenging not to have that connection and being hands-on. And I think what, what I kind of miss the most, and what probably students miss the most, was just those like chats that they had, you know, at the beginning of the class and at the end of the class. And what Layla was saying, I, I was I was always big on the kind of the meet and greet at the beginning of the class to get that nice sense of community. And it, it is harder to create that in an online environment. And I look forward to, you know, someday being back on the campus. But what I did that that helped, I had two eight-week classes in the beginning of the semester and then two at the, the second half. So I kind of learned from some mistakes and some things I could improve on for the second half. And so I did like a meet and greet Zoom. So it was the, you know no lecture, no, no pressure to come prepared or anything like that. Just 30 minutes to just come say hi. And that was helpful. I think I got more students and then they felt more comfortable to join the optional Zooms later. And then for the students that really did want that connection is the assignments they could either for the yoga teacher training either record themselves doing part of you know their, their yoga sequence and then post it to a group discussion or join the Zoom and do it within the Zoom group and did different days of the week, different times to try to kind of get the most diverse group that can make it with full-time and part-time and you know people have all different schedules. And that worked pretty well too. But I ended up kind of always having the same group of students that joined those no matter what day or time um, I did it. But um, so I think just kind of having the option of doing the Zoom, but not making it be an extra thing. And then students can connect that way. And, um, And I had quite a few students that actually became study buddies that way because they met through the Zoom. And then another thing that helped with that connection is I had a discussion in Canvas that was just for kind of saying hi to classmates. People would say that they were doing an organized hike or, you know, special events, um, and things like that. Cause I knew that, you know, with kinesiology, they they, lo- they like being outside and being active and, um, being in front of a computer is definitely <laughs> challenging. So just having a kind of a forum, that just was, you know, no, no points attached to it. And, um, that helped as well. I think those were kind of the main things is just trying to get that connection. I also had, um, An option for discussion posts is students could do a video to post or a written post, and that definitely made it more fun and engaging to actually see classmates and the more people that would post the videos, you know, by the next discussion, you know, we'd get a few more people and it kind of gave people more courage to uh, do those short little video posts. So I think by this semester, maybe we'll all be a little bit more used to to this online world and maybe we'll get more engagement that way with the videos as well.
1: A couple a couple follow-up questions. So for those open Zoom sessions for your students to connect, how, how did you promote those? And the, the second question is, did you just find that it was a lot of the same folks? I know you said that some people would kind of join in later. Was there just kind of a core group of people that were always there? And if so, did you did you try anything else to extend that out to other people in your class?
5: Yeah, great question. Um, so I had just regular Zoom office hours and then um, kind of module end of module zooms as well. And then I have on the syllabus, you know, the, the scheduled Zooms, but then also to be announced module Zooms, where I just email at the beginning of the module to, to try to kind of move it around what works with my schedule as well and say, okay, this Wednesday, you know, five o'clock, we'll have a 30-minute Zoom. But it is funny, Sean, because it was kind of mostly the same people that, <laughs> that would come. And even if students already did, if it was the option to do their assignment, they would show up again after, even after they completed the assignment on the next Zoom, just to be there to, you know, support other students. So I think it was all about, you know, whoever just had the time in their schedule to, to join the Zooms. But, you know, I figure if it helps one person, I'm, I'm doing my job. So <laughs> at least I got quite a few people in there. And sometimes people would just be there to, to listen um, and see fellow classmates. So I think that was helpful to say you can join without doing the required assignment. You can just kind of be there and and sit with us. And kind of what Billy was saying, like we're we're all in this together. You know, we're all having these difficulties. So sometimes just just seeing your classmates and hearing hearing from each other will will help us get through this challenging time,
1: yeah. no, i think I think it's great that you provide that opportunity for students because, I mean, a lot of I've said this a lot and it's kind of a lot of the issues we're facing are versions of things we've seen in the past. And we'll see students hang out after class and it's typically the same students. um, But then some are just like booking it out of there and, you know, they got to go to a job or they're just done with this part of their day and they're ready to move on to the next thing. But it's good that they have at least that virtual space where they can um, spend a little time together and maybe talk about class and, and other things as well. So that's awesome. Layla, I know that in math, I'm kind of going to lead into one of the challenges that I know about, and it's the widely used practice of uh, proctored exams. And I know that's been difficult for a lot of our colleagues, but any other kind of challenges to learning that you have found, uh, maybe in addition to that, you don't even have to talk about that at all, or or uh, how that's been um, an issue during our, our remote and online instruction?
4: Thank you, my great colleagues mentioned uh, most of challenges that I um, agree with them. I have two more to say. Um, One is the lack of access to technology or lack of knowledge of using technology. Unfortunately, most of us think that the new generation are tech savvy. Yes, they are tech savvy, but it's good to provide information how to use this technology that we use for teaching. So during the first week of the class, actually the first day of the class, one of the activities that I do when I send them to the uh, breakout room is I ask them. I have uh, you know steps and uh, the instructional step on the uh, my my screen, and I ask them, okay, share your screen, share your whiteboard, because when we go to the white uh, when we go to the breakout room in in my class, we have to share whiteboard and we you know we whatever the, is the discussion, whatever we are solving, we write them. Uh, on the whiteboard, so they should know how to, um, you know, use technology to participate in this group activity. So I don't assume everyone knows that. I actually show them how to do it. Also, lack of technology. You know, we keep getting as faculty, we keep getting information about the resources, the grants that you know the uh, Miracosta has received. So it's our duty to share that with with the students. So, for example, recently we got a grant that. Um, almost uh, st- all students, they can have hotspots. So we- this is something that we need to share with our students. You know, it's 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 our duty. This is for students. We have to share that with the students. So one challenge would be technology and different aspects of technology. The second thing is organization. And, you know, as the department chair, um, in the middle of the semester, I got a few emails from students um, while at the beginning of the semester, the online, fully online asynchronous courses, they were so popular. In the middle of the semester, some students uh, contacted me and asked me to find them the same class, but in a Zoom version because they said we cannot be organized. We are so overwhelmed. I don't know what day I have to study. I, I everything is piling up. my assignments are piling up. I'm stressed out. So, What I did, I asked them, uh, I met with most of them, and I asked them to uh, create a calendar for their study. So for example, if you are taking Math 150, maybe on Mondays and Wednesday, you want to look at the uh, video lecture. Um, And then on um, Tuesday and Thursday, you want to do your homework. So they need to have an organization. What day I'm studying, what day I'm doing my homework, what day I'm doing, I'm watching the lecture notes. And this could be done by faculty or could be done uh, by student or collaboration by both. I've seen some of my colleagues' um, syllabus. I love that they put it on their syllabus that even though this class is fully online, let's make sure that on Mondays and Wednesday during this time you're re- watching the lecture note and by the way, i available during that time. If you have any question, just, you know, come through, come to this Zoom link and then I can answer your question. That is absolutely awesome. So that was, that was another challenge that I uh, noticed in, in the math classroom.
1: Thank you, Layla. And Edward, so in many ways you have a different um, type of student contact than classroom faculty. And so to me, this means you have access that many of us don't have. Um, can you speak to the challenges that you've heard directly from our students or even indirectly from your tutoring staff?
6: Uh, I would love to, and there, there's several, I have a list here, right? I started to do a list right before this started and uh, it's a long list, so I won't uh, go through the whole thing. But real quick about the sense of community, a lot of students don't realize that that they need a sense of community until, until they need it. And so I think and on ground, you can pick and choose. You can go to the cafeteria, you can go to the classroom, you can go to the library, you can go hang out by the quad area, whatever campus you're at there's all these kind of com- little community uh, bubbles, right? And online, you don't have that. And I think everyone has spoken to that already, so I won't go into that. But what we found was we did these animotos and I'm just gonna, if you don't know what they are, I'm gonna put mine in there and just the access. So for the faculty who are in the room right now, those were really quick introductions and you can personalize them with pictures, etc. that really like when you wanna build that relationship give them something like this so they can view it, whether you're asynchronous or synchronous. So I'm just gonna put that out there now. But the pieces that came to me in terms of your question, Sean, was that for students, when you're a student, you're usually working and you're usually working, you know, at least 20 hours a week. So uh, work hours increased for a lot of students because a lot of them were either in the service industry or they were in these part-time gigs that, now we're offering more hours, and that was uh, a roller coaster ride because you know things shut down, things opened up, things shut down again. So you know if I'm doing 20 hours, and then all of a sudden uh, my employer says, "Well, you can do 30 because hey, we're we're taking advantage of the open restaurants, et cetera, et cetera." They increase their hours, and they still have the same work uh, workload for school, mm. you know. And so it's like, how do you balance that? And you don't realize that. Students didn't realize that, oh no, I just thought that 10, 10 hour increase made a big difference on my study time, right? Cause I'm exhausted now and I, I really wanna do it in the evening, but I can't. So that's one piece. Uh, the structure that was attended to, uh, Layla was talking about organization. It's so critical to provide more structure when you're asynchronous. You can't just throw it out there and say, you know, just do it and it's due on, on Sunday night before the Monday. No, you have to provide structure and maybe increments and benchmarks, so that students can can kind of follow that because they may set it up or they may not. Uh, equipment in terms of, you know, Zoom, 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 and I put too much, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're lacking Wi-Fi because you're sharing your house, is everybody is working on Zoom, uh, whether it's the little you know chavalitos, right, or the uh, or the parents, right? Uh, they have to they have to zoom as well. So your whole household is doing Zoom. Uh, I go upstairs where my wife is teaching, and I have uh, weak Wi-Fi, you know, because I'm using Zoom. But she doesn't, because she's on the main the main frame here. And so that's that's a difficult thing to manage in the household. And you have to actually talk with your family members, or your loved ones, or your partners, or your roommates on, you know. Where, where are you going to be, and who's using the the you know the mainframe closest to the to the signal, right? Not everyone has the resources to buy a mesh system, etc. Right? That's like different uh, pods of Wi-Fi, and then the lack of study space at home. I have staff who are in their kitchen. I have staff; they're not even students. And so, where do you work? I had one student who was working in a closet, halfway in the closet, and in the back was his bunk bed because that's where he slept with his brother and he had to do it in the closet. And it's like, he was cramped. It's like, can you imagine that? Uh, Last but not least, it's, you know, some people actually got COVID, you know, in their families, around them, themselves. And so that, that knocked them out for two weeks because they were sick. And, you know, the level of sickness depends on your health and everything else, right? And there's just no guarantee. And so when you're down and out or when your family member is down and out and you can't really quarantine, how do you work with that? How do you manage that? Forget about studies. You're dealing with a household that's at risk now. And so I think students came with all of that and had to manage that on their own. Uh, I will say that um, some of the saving grace in terms of what you've all said, in terms of how you've set it up, how you've been creative, uh, the canvas frame in terms of uh, academic support, Uh, where you get help with, you know, the care program on our campus, really, you know, the food giveaway in the parking lots where you can come and get a bag of food. I think all of those pieces really matter and really still matter, right? So I I think I'll stop there because there's just a whole lot of pieces that we're doing and it's still not enough. And I think we have to realize that as instructors, when you, when you know, we can can tout Miracosa as this fantastic place who's doing a lot of things for students, but it's still not enough. And so how do you deal with that in the classroom? And How do you manage the curriculum, your content, the uh, holistic piece, which is like, how do you care for students like the Zoom room that Casey mentioned? And then how do you deal with, you know, people just not turning something in? Do you just give up on them and say, you know, they're not producing. And then all of a sudden they pop up and say, you know, I've been down and out managing family managing a sickness and then they're back in the game and then how do you manage that as an instructor you know do you cut them slack or are you just no no we had a rule we had a due date uh we really have to kind of be more generous and more empathetic and more uh humane in this in the setting with a pandemic i think that's the underlying piece and i'll stop there.
1: right and that that really yeah you made me think about that word empathy even before you said it and you know, uh, in the chat here, in our live Zoom session, Lauren McFall, one of our librarians, said as a librarian that she can confirm many people have called to ask if they are open so they can have a place to study. And it's, you know, we're not, nobody's staying at home, faculty, students, and just kind of lounging around. It, it, it's not just working from home, right? It's trying to learn how to do our work in a whole new way while we have to be at home. And And that's the same for students as well. Um, So thank you. Thank you, Edward, for for that contribution. Um, We are going to move into our last question with a slightly different format. Go ahead, Curry.
0: Yeah. And so um, I think we'll we'll take another maybe six minutes or so. And, you know, just having kind of looked at the the challenges, right, that all of us have just talked about from the affective, what, what students are going through in their homes to what just, you know, accessing technology to the cognitive, the scaffolding, but then being tired or not having the time, et cetera. If each of us could go around and and Layla, we'll start with you. Uh, Can we give like a one minute uh, message to a student who might be listening to this right now? So if that's what they're facing, right? A semester of those challenges, um, what's a message we could give to a student you would want them to know before they started your class uh, to get them on the right foot?
4: I see you, I hear you, I'm here for you, count on me share the resources, you can do it.
0: Perfect. Billy, how about you, a one minute uh, message?
3: I would say this class is not the most important thing in your life right now, and you need to take care of yourself and your family first and everything else that you can do in here, we can figure out together. Perfect, Himgari?
2: Well, the most important message, and this is a struggle to put it in one minute, because I'm thinking in all in my Marathi language, and I have to translate it. <laughs> so, all I'll say, maybe it will be a bunch of words, but I want to say, like, first and foremost, we should all remember, and this is my message for students, is that empathy really starts with yourself. So be really kind to yourself. Be patient. Do the best you can. Reach out whenever there is a question, even even if you feel shy. Do not hesitate, whichever way you want, and we can figure it out. We are all in this together.
6: Perfect, Edward. Just collecting my thoughts. Right, the yeah. one minute, the one minute guideline. Right. Yes, but, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, this is what I want to say to students. I'm a community college graduate, and I've never been in a pandemic, and so I can relate. And then I cannot relate, right? Because no one's been through this like this yeah. as a student, uh, as, fa- as we sit here as faculty. So your resilience of showing up is incredible. And so I applaud that resilience. Uh, I want you to keep hope alive because if you don't have hope, then it's hard to see the future. It's hard to see the end game. Engage with our services, especially academic support, not only your faculty, but the support services. We have a student success hub in Canvas. There are peers, recent graduates and faculty directors that are waiting for you, that want you. And we want to embrace you in virtual hugs, but, and just kind of scaffold where you're at and where to start. And last but not least, keep the long-term view of education in your goals, because this is only a blip on the radar screen. And if you fall down, uh, as Denzel Washington says, fall down seven, get up eight. And when you do that, you will overcome. So peace out. Perfect. And Casey, how about you?
5: Yeah, these are also great. Um, what stood out to me to offer is schedule in self care. So, as Layla was talking about, you know, having your detailed schedule, your planner includes self care in there. And whatever that is for you, whether it's talking to a friend, going for a walk, doing yoga, doing a five minute dance party, having a tasty snack, you know, something that, that is for you, your mental health, your physical health, your social health, your spiritual health. Um, and make sure you get it every day, because I feel like we all need a little bit more just from all that we've gone through this last year. Um, So self-care, see obstacles as opportunities for growth. All those distractions that happen is just say, hey, I'm I'm building more resilience. Focus on the things you can control, Mm. the things you can change, and let go of all the rest you know we can you know kind of control our day a lot of stuff is going to happen but just let go of all the extra stuff what the neighbors are doing what your housemates are doing and focus on the things you can control Mm -hmm. and last but not least everyone said this but we're all in this together we're we're your coaches we're not your police officers we want you to succeed. Um, sometimes even more than you do. So, <laughs> reach out to us. We're here for you, and we care about you.
1: Yeah, so good. You got a you got a sentence to wrap it up, and then I'll I'll go,
0: Curry. Uh, sure. So um, I just uh, sent out my syllabus, and I had a line in there that said, "You will probably find some typos in this class and some confusingly phrased instructions." And so you will help me improve this class if you let me know, and you might miss a deadline um, because of the craziness that's going on. And I'm here to, you know, help you through that as well. So it's pursuing excellence through empathy um, and as best we can, reaching out to people, right? Because relationships are going to get us through this. Great. And I would just,
1: before I say my piece, I want to say thanks to the panelists Um, I wanna say thanks to the live audience here that's listening synchronously and those of you who are listening to this at a later time asynchronously. Uh, For our students, I would wanna say that we we are humans too. (laughs) Your faculty or your teachers, we are students too. This is all difficult, beautiful, ugly, and a shared experience. And I think from this conversation, I take away that listening to our students always facilitates and guides our own improvement. So thanks everybody. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. This episode is supported by the Miracosa Foundation's Innovation Grant. The Safe Topics Podcast is produced and engineered by Kelly Barnett. James Garcia handles promotion, student recruitment, and research. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram,
0: and safetopics.podbean.com.
5: Find us on Apple and Spotify. Please rate and subscribe.
0: Thanks for listening.